Good vach, good chaydesh, good yantif. I heard that um, there was a little boy who had become bar mitzvah, and although he was bar mitzvah, he wasn't wearing his hat and jacket. And the Rebbe would always give out coins to charity to children before before mincha. And this boy very proudly told the Rebbe he wasn't wearing a hat and jacket, but he was ready at bar mitzvah. So the Rebbe said. You can give tzedakah even after bar mitzvah. And Rebbe said, I myself am after bar mitzvah, and I also can uh, give tzedakah as well. Similar thing with also with Hanukkah gelt. People assume that Hanukkah gelt is associated with giving to children, but the Rebbe said not only for children, but also those who are connected to being children spiritually. I think that was referring to those who, who you teach Torah to, but that also, there's also an element of Hanukkah gelt there as well. Um, I think that was referring to himself giving Hanukkah gelt to the Chassidim and saying that although it's given to children but nevertheless the Rebbe also um, wa- wanted to give Hanukkah gelt to all, all of his Hasidim as well. So, the, and the Rebbe also mentioned about Hashem giving Hanukkah gelt. If God tells us to give Hanukkah gelt to our children, surely God gives us Hanukkah gelt. And we have, and the Rebbe said that children should ask their parents for Hanukkah gelt and so too we should ask God to get the greatest Hanukkah gelt, the greatest gift. Hanukkah gelt doesn't have to be specifically money. We should ask God to give us the greatest gift, the gift of the coming of Mashiach. May we see this happen tonight and see Aaron Akoyin, Aaron, the high priest, light the menorah in the temple in Yerushalayim with Mashiach. I want to share with you uh, tonight a few stories. Uh, the first story is actually, for me, it's a 23-year-old story. Story is, when I was studying Yeshiva in 770, I had a roommate who told me that his mother had an audience with the Rebbe in which she had gotten some instruction from the Rebbe about a certain uh, exercise that she was doing that was related to, to yoga. And I was very curious. I knew that yoga has its roots in Hinduism, and I was curious if the Rebbe had actually explicitly given a ruling about about yoga. And so I hadn't gotten her number. Uh, by just this week, got her number after over 20 years, wondering about the story. And I called her up and I said, what did the Rebbe tell you about yoga? And she immediately said, I never spoke to the Rebbe about yoga. <laughs> so I, I said, well, I've been waiting for this conversation for 20 years. Can you possibly um, uh, share with me something that some other exchange you may have had with the Rebbe. And she shared with me something fascinating, which was worth waiting 21 years to hear. She said, uh, more, she said that in 1971, she had, she was here living in Los Angeles, and she was making her first steps in her Judaism. And she wrote a letter to the Rebbe asking for a blessing to strengthen her Judaism. But instead of writing as the, the the term Yiddishkeit in her letter, people usually use the word Yiddishkeit for Judaism, she felt that Yiddishkeit was more, in her mind, was something associated with locks and bagels. And she didn't need a blessing to eat more locks and have more bagels. So instead of writing to the Rebbe, she wants a blessing for strength in her Yiddishkeit, she wrote strength in her Judaism. She wanted chizuk, she wanted strength to grow in her Judaism. So she wrote Judaism. That's what she wrote to the Rebbe in 1971. 
Two years later, she meets her, her husband-to-be, her fiancé, and they went together to see the Rebbe before their marriage. As Rebbe would often um, have a private audience with couples before their upcoming marriage. And so in her husband's letter, he had written to the Rebbe that he wanted a blessing to be strengthened in they as a couple should grow together. They both were returnees to Judaism. They weren't brought up with Judaism. And they, she, her husband wrote a letter to the Rebbe asking them for a blessing to be, that they should be strong, they should grow in their Yiddishkeit. So the Rebbe blessed them, among other things. The Rebbe said, may you grow in your Yiddishkeit, in your Judaism. But then the Rebbe stopped, looked at her, and the Rebbe said, oh, in your Judaism. And when they came out of the audience, her husband asked her, why did the Rebbe have to translate the word Yiddishkeit for us? Doesn't he know that we know what Yiddishkeit is? Why do you have to translate it? And she explained that the Rebbe had not only seen what she had written two years before and remembered it, the Rebbe had seen what she hadn't written and why she hadn't written it. And the Rebbe was sensitive to that and responded to her according to what the way her neshama needed to be spoken to. Which is very fascinating as we think about lighting the menorah. The menorah represents the soul. And every soul needs to be kindled, but not necessarily in the same way. Divine providence doesn't just mean that God takes care of everyone, giving all people their needs. Divine providence means that God gives everyone their unique needs that they have. And everyone's unique and different in how they need to receive things and the way that they need to receive things. Case in point, story number two. There um, was a great chassid named the Iron Lady of Zeitlin, who was Rebbe's emissary in uh, Tzfas in Israel. I merited to hear several farbrengans from him. And I was studying in yeshiva in Melbourne, Australia. Um, and so his son, Levi Yitzchak, last year was having a little bit of a hard time financially because he was going, marrying off his first child on the 12th of Tammuz. And he wasn't sure how he's going to cover the expenses for the wedding. And his father had a custom of bringing a group of girls to visit the Rebbe uh, for the, on the anniversary of the passing of Rebbe Chaim Mushka on the 22nd day of Shvat. So his father would always come every year with a group of the girls to the seminary in, uh, in Sfas. And so he continued the tradition of his father to leading this, leading this group. But after th- that year, he decided on the 23rd day of Iyar to last year, 5782, to also go to America again and visit some of the sponsors of the trip, hoping that they may also want to help him personally for his, his uh, challenge of, of covering the expenses of the wedding. So he comes... So the Rebbe, oh, he lands in New York, New York after a long flight uh, from Israel. He lands in New York on um, 5.30 p.m. And he thought to himself, he's going to go to the Rebbe's Ohel, go there for a short visit, go to sleep, rest up, and the next day return again to the Ohel. Now many people have a custom, the day, not just a custom, but something the Rebbe instructed, on the day to, you visit the Ohel, not to eat anything. You could drink, but not to eat. That's a custom. Preparation for this whole experience, we don't eat. Some 
I'm not saying this is correct or not correct. Some people, if they visit the Ohel at night, so they say it doesn't apply because they only ate during the day, not at night. So that's telling the people do. So this gentleman, he arrived at 5.30 and he was thinking to himself, well, he doesn't want to um, go into Ohel because he had eaten already. He wants to wait for nightfall. He was originally thinking of going the next day, but then he's thinking, I want a blessing right away. It's such an important thing. So I want to wait right now and go to the OL tonight. But I don't want to go in now because I ate already. So he decided to wait a couple of hours until nightfall and go in and then go and visit the OL. When he comes into the OL, he writes a letter to the Rebbe and asks the Rebbe for a blessing that may his salvation come. He wasn't a fundraiser. It wasn't something he was used to doing, something which was very hard for him. And so he said, maybe he asked for a blessing that may the salvation come from here, from the OHEL. And mikantziva Hashem is a bracha. Kantziva Hashem is a bracha is a term the Hasidim use for the neighborhood of Crown Heights. Kantziva Hashem is a bracha means here is where God commanded the blessing. God commanded the blessing of the Rebbe's presence in that neighborhood. So may the blessing that he needs for his wedding come from here, from the Ohel, and also from Kantziva Hashem is a bracha from Crown Heights. That's what he wrote in his note. Now, he wanted to get a ride back from the Ohel after he visited to Crown Heights, he's very tired from this journey, and he's waiting for a ride, but he's there for several hours, and he cannot find anyone who can give him, to give him a ride. Finally, it's almost midnight, and this gentleman is leaving the Ohel, and he approaches it. The man's name is Mayor Moss, who lives in Sydney, Australia. Mayor Moss comes out of the Ohel, and Mayor doesn't usually like bringing people uh, to hitch hitchhikers in his with him, he likes to reflect after visiting the OL, think deeply about the experience. And but he saw this guy at midnight. He's not going to get another ride back to Crown Heights. It's so late at night, and so he decides, okay, I'm going to give the guy a ride. So he comes into the car, and they start talking. Where are you from? I'm here at Muchkin. It's a small village in Israel. I'm here. And where, what's your name? Where are you from? I am Mayor Moss, and I am from Sydney, Australia. Mayor was shocked to see the reaction of, of Rabbi Levi Tzaitlin. Rabbi Levi Tzaitlin all of a sudden started to cry. He started to cry because, you have to understand, Rabbi Lazar Tzaitlin, his father, as I mentioned, he would visit Melbourne often. Why did he visit Melbourne? Because the Rebbe sent him to Melbourne in 1976 and 1977, as a yeshiva student, and throughout his life, he kept up a small, a strong connection with the Chabad communities in Melbourne, and he would always visit there every single year to all to raise funds. Where would he stay when he visited Australia? He would stay in the home of this guy, Mayor Moss. So Levy grew up knowing about Mayor Moss. In fact, Levy was planning, in addition to visiting America, New York to go to people that had helped his father before, he also was planning to go to visit Australia. Who was on the top of his list in Australia? Who's he going to go to? And he's going to this Mayor Moss. That, 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 that was his number one person he was going to ask for help. And here, he gets a ride. As soon as he asked the Rebbe for a blessing, he made the salvation come from here, from the OL. And right from the OL, he gets he meets Mayor Moss, who was felt so... He was so appreciated that he was able to help his friend's son 
He said, he told Mayor Moss, my name is Levi Yitzhak Seitman. Mayor Moss was so excited. It was very, um, very unusual because you have to understand, Mayor himself wasn't planning to be at the oil at that time. He hadn't been to the oil since COVID. And it was two years since he had last visited New York. He had came with a group of people that were very busy. So he visited the oil the day before, but he decided to come back again so he could have time to himself to focus. And he never takes hitchhikers back, but he, changed, he decided to take this guy back. And it was just a, a, a lady. Satan felt this like a sign from Hashem. And we went encouraged in more ways than one to his trip to Crown Heights, to, to uh, Clive and Gashman, Zayn Ruchnius, as the previous Rebbe said, you, you must go to gather the physical and plant the spiritual. Gra- gather the physical and plant the spiritual means that even when you're doing a fundraising mission, it's not just about raising the money, it's also about leaving spiritual, spiritual, plant, planting spiritual seeds of inspiration wherever you go to fundraise. And that's what this Lady Tzaitlin really felt in this encounter with Mary Much, which was both a physical blessing and a spiritual blessing for both of them and their families. And uh, that was the second story I wanted to share. One more story for you. Um, there was a Jew who lived in the time of Rabbi Yitzchak And what he did was he would buy and sell cattle. He would buy cattle from the uh, smaller towns. He would bring the cattle to the larger cities. And he would sell the cattle in the larger cities. So what, in order to transport the cattle on the way to larger cities, you have to stop off several times in various fields to, to let the cattle go to pasture so they could, they could eat. But unfortunately for him, he couldn't find any fields to rent. And this went on for a while. And, he, and the, you know, the animals are getting hungry and he needs to find a place immediately for them to eat. He goes, he was in the town neighboring Berdichev, and he decided he's going to go visit the great Sadik of Levi Yitzchak and ask him for a blessing that he should be able to find a field to rent. So he goes after prayer service in the morning, goes to Levi Yitzchak and he tells him that he needs a blessing to find a field to rent. In response, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak says to him that there is a certain kind of grass when it's dried, it's 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 a very good thing to use to to stop blood when the, when when there's bleeding. In addition to a bandage, if if the bleeding isn't stopping, take this kind of grass. I, I can mispronounce it for you. I'm not thinking of or something. Take this kind of grass called the rivetskis in Russian. Dry it and then apply it to the wound, and that will stop the bleeding. So he turned to the lady and says, "I need a blessing for my cattle to find a place to pasture." Like, what did that do with anything? Rebbe doesn't respond. He leaves. He comes back the next day. Again to Rebbe I need a blessing. I haven't found a place for my cattle yet. Can you give me a blessing? In response again, Rebbe says, when there's a wound, you take this special kind of grass and you dry it, you apply it to the wound and that will stop the bleeding. He has no idea what Rebbe is saying. Why are you saying this? What does that have to do with what he, what's, what's going on in his life? But he goes on to try to find a place for his cattle to pasture. And he goes to this innkeeper. And the innkeeper is very distraught. He wants to get his innkeeper's attention. Is high, I need a place for my, my cattle to pasture. Can I rent one of your fields? And the innkeeper doesn't answer him. He sees the innkeeper is very distraught. He says, what's bothering you? The innkeeper says that they just, 
he and his wife were blessed with a baby. It was their second child. Their first child had a circumcision. And unfortunately, the child ble- didn't stop bleeding after the circumcision. He was bleeding and bleeding and bleeding. And try as they might to stop the blood, they couldn't, the baby died. So Rabbi Yitzchak, Vredichev, the man told this, told this uh, the businessman told the innkeeper, he said, I have the perfect thing for you. I just want to believe it's a prediction. And he told me that if there's a wound, you need, to, you need to stop the bleeding of the wound, what you need to do is just take this special grass and apply it to the wound. And he told him the whole story. And I believe it's told this to him twice, and he visited him two different days. And each time, I believe said to him, take this grass and dry it and apply it. And this is the perfect thing. The innkeeper was, was very encouraged. It was obvious, it was divine providence that Rabbi Yitzchak had given instruction to this man for him, for the innkeeper. And Baruch Hashem, they gave the baby a circumcision and they used this, this remedy and it worked. And the innkeeper had a field that this guy could use. That's a story. But think about the story. Why didn't Rabbi Yitzchak just tell him more clearly about why he gave him this information? And instead, he sent him on this wild goose chase. He told him about this kind of grass, and, and the guy's wondering about his field. And the answer, I think, may be is that, again, the divine providence doesn't mean that people get what they need, but everyone gets what they, the, the, everyone needs something different. And although we all need basic things, need to, eating and drinking and breathing and clothing, and yet we all need them in a different way. And this person needed to have. The, the inspiration of seeing Rabbi Levi Yitzchak's words be manifest prophetically, he needed to see that happen. Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Tzaytl needed to see, to see this. And uh, this is a holiday of miracles and wonders. And Hashem could have given the Jewish people when they entered the, the temple enough oil to last for eight days, but He didn't. He specifically gave them enough oil to last for only one day. And here, because of that, we are inspired every year we think about and we relive this miracle. Because Hashem wants to give us not just the ability to light the menorah, He also wants to give us far more, the inspiration to know that there are miracles that have happened by Yom Mahain at those days, Bizman Hazeh, at this time, for each of us and all of us, whatever is going on in our lives, and especially the main blessing, the real blessing, the blessing that all, it's in the, the deepest, in the heart of every Jew, the blessing of the coming Mashiach, we see this happen, Bukhar of Mamish, and dance tonight with Shalayim in the Mesa Migdash. Lachayim, Lachayim, good Yantiv, good Vach, good Chaydash.